Well, if you keep your Bibles open in Colossians, let's pray as we get stuck into it. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, how we thank you so much that you are our good shepherd. Lord, thank you so much that you are an awesome, holy God, and thank you so much that you have made yourself known to us. And so we pray that as we open up this passage today, may you help us, may you open up our lives, and may we learn more about you and grow closer to you and grow mature in you this day and always. We ask this in your name. Amen. When you see and relax into the glorious reality of who Jesus is, supreme in creation, and what Jesus has done, supreme in salvation, you get bound up in the story of the one who has redeemed it all and invited to spend your life singing the song of the one who is great. This is where we landed last week. Paul has just gloriously laid out just how supreme Jesus is above all things. Uh, Jesus is the greatest. There is nowhere, no space, no time, no realm where Jesus doesn't have the authority. Uh, Paul has just told them how he has become a servant of the good news of gospel, of the gospel. He's the one who is going out and proclaiming this good news to the whole world. He is ministering to the Colossians through Epaphras and through this letter. Uh, but there's a bit of a problem. Paul isn't just not there with the Colossians. Remember, he hasn't seen the Colossians face to face. But Paul is in prison. Paul is suffering. So by all means, by worldly standards, he looks like a bit of a failure. It's a bit awkward. Why would we listen to someone who's in prison, he's in chains? Why would we listen to someone who is by all means a non-starter? It's a bit like me going and coaching the Wallabies rugby union. Why would they pay attention to me who's only played three seasons worth of it in school and spent most of the games on the sideline because I really detracted from the team? They really shouldn't. But why should the Colossians still listen to Paul and not the wise philosophers of the day? Well, the afflictions and the sufferings and strugglings that he was facing didn't nullify his message. It wasn't a sign that he was failing or a failure, but rather he counted suffering for the sake of the churches as an amazing privilege. He rejoiced in his suffering because his mission as a disciple with his front line wasn't to save himself or wasn't to live a comfy life and retire early. His mission was to serve the church by proclaiming Christ so that they will know him. Serve the church by proclaiming Christ so they will know him. So then he didn't avoid sufferings at all costs, but took them in with joy. So look with me at verse 24 of chapter 1, where it says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, which is the church. Uh, now you may have noticed something a little odd here. Uh, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. So is Paul saying here that somehow Christ's suffering and Christ's death and resurrection isn't enough? Uh, is he saying 
that he needs to somehow complete his own salvation, that we also need to suffer too to earn salvation? No, not at all. In fact, he's gone to huge extents already in chapter 1 to lay out how it has all been done, how Christ has done everything. So glance back up with me at verse 13. Uh, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, completely done. Then verse 22, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sights, completely done. So then, friends, have the complete and full sure assurance that Christ is supreme in salvation, that there is nothing that we need to do to add or earn salvation in any way. So then, what is Paul referring to here in verse 24? Well, given the context of this passage of Paul being a servant of the churches, uh, Paul is probably recalling how when Christ's body, the church, is persecuted, uh, Jesus himself is persecuted. Because Jesus is in and with his people. Uh, You may recall that in Acts chapter 9, when Paul first encounters Jesus, uh, Paul wasn't the champion of the early church that we know of today. Uh, Paul was a persecutor of the church. In fact, he was on his way to round up Christians and to put them into prison and worse. But then on Paul's way, then Saul's way, Jesus interrupts him quite magnificently and says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So when the church suffers, Jesus suffers. So when Paul suffered on his missionary journeys, when Paul is chucked into prison, Jesus is right there with him. So what is still lacking then? Well, Paul still has a job to do. Paul was commissioned, he was told specifically by Jesus, to go and proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, to those who weren't Jewish. And his job, well, wasn't complete yet. He still had his mission to fulfill, even if it meant suffering for Paul. And he would. He would come across opposition. Uh, He would be run out of town, so he would be stoned, he would be put into prison and eventually killed. But he sees this as pure joy. Because he was physically really suffering for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of Jesus' name, for the sake of the churches. He was suffering just as Jesus did, fulfilling the mission that Jesus gave him, empowered by Jesus' presence right there with him through the Holy Spirit. Now, at least here in Toowoomba or Australia or from wherever you're joining us uh, here in 2022, I don't think that we will be physically persecuted for proclaiming the name of Jesus or for believing in Jesus. If we invite someone along to Alpha or to carols or to a public lecture or to a Sunday service, we might be seen as a little odd, at worst maybe looked over for a job promotion. That's probably it. If you've experienced worse, come and have a chat to me and I'd love to take you out for coffee. 
But are we prepared to suffer for the sake of the gospel? And when we do so, will we rejoice in these sufferings? Are we prepared, if we are so called, to give up our comforts and to respond to a calling to proclaim the gospel elsewhere? Perhaps in a different city, state, a different country? And do it with great joy. Paul was prepared. Verse 25. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Paul commits himself to serving the church just as God has called him to. And he serves it by proclaiming and presenting the word of God in all its glory. Uh, Not just the easy parts of the word, not just his favorite parts, not just his hobby horse parts, all of the parts of the word. He wasn't giving inspirational TED Talks. No, he was simply explaining and presenting the word and how Jesus is at the center of it. Now, it's also important to note here at this time that there was no New Testament Maybe at this time, um, Mark and Luke were maybe compiling their Gospels. That's about it. So Paul was presenting them the words of God spoken to his people of old about the promises that were needing to be fulfilled and how Jesus fulfills them. How Jesus is at the center of it. And this is the mystery that Paul was speaking about here. That all people can come to know Christ right here and right now. That all people have the opportunity to turn to Jesus, have Jesus in them, and have the hope of eternal glory. Do you realize that this same Jesus, who we saw last week, supreme in creation, supreme in salvation, is with us, is in us by his spirit right here, right now. He's in us as we go throughout the week. He is with us in the car, at uni, in our workplace, in the exam hall, in the doctor's waiting room, in the hospital. He's with you in those sleepless nights in the middle of the night when your mind won't stop racing. He's with you in the afternoon when your toddler's racing is testing your patience. Wherever, whenever, and whatever happens in our lifetime, or to us in this world, we have the hope of eternal glory just waiting for us. We have such an amazing hope. So as we go about our lives, what's, what's stopping us from telling people about this amazing glory, about this wondrous mystery? At worst, if we suffer, Jesus suffers too and is with us. At best, we have the amazing privilege and opportunity to bring people to come to know this hope. How incredible would that be? So how does Paul go about this? How does he serve the church? By proclaiming Jesus.
verse 28, chapter 1, verse 28. Uh, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. It's no surprise that Jesus is at the very centre of what Paul proclaims. This is the heart of Paul's mission and should be the heart of all ministry. Proclaim Christ. It's not really rocket science, is it? Proclaim Christ. In Jesus, in Christ, we find salvation, we find redemption, reconciliation, peace, freedom, forgiveness, so much more. So why proclaim anything else? Uh, you know, if I find a good new cafe here in town, in Toowoomba, I'm generally pretty quick in telling people about it because it is really good news. So if you know of a good new cafe, just come and let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Uh, if we find a new product or a new life routine that we found on Instagram that somehow improves our quality of life or a new recipe, we can be so quick to tell people but in Jesus, we don't find just life improvement. We find brand new life in him that reaches beyond death. It's great news. It's life transformational news. And that's why proclaiming Jesus is at the center of Paul's ministry. That's why proclaiming Jesus is at the very heart of what we do here at St. Bart's. So if you're in a teaching role here or Bible reading or leading small groups or teaching kids or leading aged care services, proclaim Christ. If you're involved in raising uh, children as a parent or as a carer or as a grandparent, proclaim Christ. If you're visiting people who can't make it to church on a Sunday or who are sick or who may be nearing death, Proclaim Christ. It's easy to overcomplicate things. It's easy to make ourselves look good. But our role is quite simple, just like Paul's, proclaim Christ. And in all our front lines, the mission is the same. Uh, we may not be able to proclaim with words, but there are other ways to proclaim how Christ is so transformational in how we act with our co-workers, how we work for our bosses, and so much more. Uh, Paul and his companions, when they're leading the churches, they go about this by admonishing and teaching. That is, correcting and educating and let me tell you, I need correcting. We all need correcting because deepening in our relationship with Jesus means at some point something needs to change. Our actions and our deeds and our wants and our wills and our preferences need to be brought into line with his, which means putting our preferences to be in line with his or dropping them completely. And well, we aren't going to get this right 100% of the time, are we? So, a loving correction from a friend may be needed. Or maybe just simply changing something in our life because of what we've read in the Word. And we need to grow. We need correcting to grow to be more like Jesus. And we need to be people who are soaked in God's Word to know how to live it out. 
And the reason for Paul doing these things isn't just to make people who are smart, but to present them mature in Christ. No, uh, maturity doesn't mean being smart or knowing the Bible from cover to cover. It doesn't mean having a PhD. There are plenty of this world who know the Bible back to front but who aren't mature in Christ. Maturity doesn't mean having a perfect record in church attendance, small group, Ridley, or serving multiple times a week. That could be the fruit of maturity. And don't get me wrong, these things can and do certainly help, and we pray that they do. But we do all these things in order to mature in Christ. And to mature in Him is to have a deep relationship with Him. It's not just to know about Him, It's to know him personally and intimately, like a friend that we've known for years. It's to have him not just as Lord and King over a section of our lives, but over every single facet of our lives. And this is something that we will be doing for a lifetime. We never graduate from maturity class. We should all be thinking about how we can take a next step in growing with him. And note, this is for everybody. Paul wants everybody to come to maturity in him. Not just some people, everybody. In the original language, there's a great emphasis on this. It says, admonishing every person, teaching every person to present every person mature in Christ. No one is to be left behind because everyone is an important part of the body of Christ. From the newest member to the oldest member, uh, from the cradle to the deathbed, whether English is their first language or not, whether people join in person or online, whether people are fully able or need assistance with accessibility, every person is to have the opportunity to be mature in Christ. That's why our mission here at St. Bart's is to make and mature every single disciple. Lifelong. It's Jesus that we proclaim so that people may know him. It's Jesus that we proclaim so that people may turn and be saved. It's Jesus that we proclaim so that people may see just how glorious our great God is and give him the glory and honour due to his name. See, ministry and doing life as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus, it's all about Jesus. It's not always easy work. Paul describes himself as being in agony from a fight. It's a, it's a battle for him. And living life as followers of Jesus in our various front lines may not always be easy either. It may mean standing out. It may mean being different. It may be exhausting at times. But as we see in verse 29, we don't do it in our own strength. But verse 29, Paul says, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Christ is with us. Christ strengthens us. And what's so amazing about all of this is that Paul hasn't even met these people that he is working hard for. 
Uh, there was no FaceTime. There's no messaging apps to be able to send a photo of. Uh, there's no Zoom. There's nothing of that sort. He hasn't seen them face to face. But even still, chapter 2, verse 2, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. My goal is they be encouraged in heart and united in love. That is, not just knowing Jesus as head knowledge, but knowing Jesus with our whole lives, and also being united together with other Christians. Uh, Being in Christian community, doing life together, gathering together, growing together, serving together, and even giving together, brings us to a fuller understanding of God's love for us. It's so important. It's such a great gift. All with the end goal that we would know Christ, that we would point each other to Christ. Because he is the ultimate thing. There's no need for Jesus plus anything. There's no need for Jesus plus career or Jesus plus money or Jesus plus success or Jesus plus secret knowledge. Just Jesus. In him we find all that we need. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I do enjoy my history and so I love going to museums and If you go to one of these museums, you may be able to see great treasures there. You may be able to see and hear about uh, great people from documentaries. But all these treasures are behind a big glass case or steel bars or something like that. And you get to observe them from a distance. But with Jesus, we don't just get to observe him from a distance. We don't just get to learn about him from a textbook. But all those treasures of his become ours. We can know him personally, intimately, and this great inheritance of the hope of eternal life is ours. See, the arguments of this world may be tempting. The allure of a seemingly easier life may seem great. But it's nothing compared to the glorious riches of being in Christ. He has saved us from the futility and the darkness of this world. He has rescued us from the grips of sin and death by his death on the cross and rising to new life. He is with us right now as we live and proclaim his name and live for him on our front lines. He will come again and bring us home to be with him in glory, in paradise. But until then... We are called to join Paul in joining in the mission of Christ, making and maturing disciples in him. It may be hard work at times. It may even mean suffering. It may be awkward. The gospel ministry, which we are all involved in, can be a struggle. But it will so be worth it for people to come to know where our ultimate help and salvation can come from. So we too can join in with Paul by serving the church, by proclaiming Christ, so there may be a world that knows Jesus.
So let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Gracious Lord, we thank you so much for the salvation, for the love, for the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you so much that in Jesus we find all the treasures and all the glories and all the wisdom. So Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, keep our lives centred around Jesus, that we may proclaim him and that through our witness, countless people may come to know him and join in your eternal praise. We pray this in your name. Amen.